G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, episode number 78. This is a solo episode and I'm a little bit nervous and also a little bit excited about doing this. It's been a long time since we've had a solo episode, but today I'm talking about what gym and running is needed to maximize your performance for footy. Now, I'm going to be speaking specifically about Australian rules football here. I feel like it's the one team-based sport that I know more about than anything else when it comes to strength and conditioning. And of course, I know a hell of a lot about running. Running is my jam. It's the one thing I love to speak about more than anything else, and that is particularly running mechanics. Now, when it comes to running, I'm going to talk about running first because when it comes to running, it is really important that you have your foundations in place first. And the reason why I talk about running, by the way, first is that what is the number one thing that you do more than anything else when it comes to football? And that is running. It's a running-based sport. So you need to be able to run to be effective at it. And actually, what's the one thing that you often hear when you hear an interview with an elite football player regarding their best season ever, the best season they've ever had? They often refer to being fitter than they've ever been before. And typically what they say is that I was able to put a full preseason underneath my belt. So with a full preseason, not getting injured, being able to complete every session and do that foundational work to get fit to play, they end up often having the best season of their career. Now, when it comes to running, there are three parts to it. People often think about strength and conditioning. And I like to compare strength and conditioning to what came first, the chicken or the egg. Now you could argue to your black and blue in the face about what came first, the chicken or the egg. But when it comes to strength and conditioning, the thing that comes first is strength. And when it comes to running, there's a third part in there and that is mechanics. So mechanics come second and then we have conditioning coming third. Because typically what you see when you see people go and get fit for running, whether it is for football or for running as a sport on its own, is they go and they get it backwards and they go and do conditioning first. And you see them either running 5K runs, 10K runs, all at one steady state pace, which is fine. Those workouts are valuable. But as their own, it's not as effective as what a holistic program can be that incorporates strength mechanics and conditioning. And mechanics can also be technique. So what the other thing too, by the way, that you'll see is people going down to the athletics track and just running 200s after 200s, 400s, whatever distance it might be, interval type training, and then not doing any work on the strength that's going to underpin that and their mechanics. So what comes first is the strength. You need the strength to be able to have the ability to do what you're going to ask of your body in the mechanics. The mechanics is you changing in some cases or improving your the way that your body works in order to become more efficient so that you conserve the most amount of energy so you can run for longer, but also move the most efficiently so you can move faster. And then with that, you can then go into your conditioning. And there's no reason why you can't do all of these three things at the one time, but the strength definitely underpins your ability to be able to get into the positions and hold your body in the positions that you are going to ask of it in terms of your mechanics and to be able to endure what you're going to ask of it in the conditioning. So, why am I qualified to talk about this when it comes to football? Well, first of all, when it comes to running, running is something that I know a lot about. I've torn my hamstrings four times between the two. I tore my left hamstring three times, my right hamstring once. Um, I, I think I got that right. Did I, I just confuse myself? I tore my, I think that's right. Anyway, I've torn my hamstrings four times between the two of them. One of them was three times, one of them was once. And 
I always felt like there was something more. I would go to the physio. I would speak with strength and conditioning coaches back in, in the day, back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And they said that my core was strong. Often people would refer to weak hamstrings as being uh, a weak core. And they would say my core was strong. And sure, I could hold a plank for two minutes easy. I could do all this stuff. But I don't think that I was efficient with my mechanics. And that was that set me, those injuries set me on this path to try and discover what was going on because I felt like there was something missing. I had the strength, I had the conditioning, but I didn't have the mechanics. So I went to uni, I studied a double degree in sports science and teaching. I later went back and did a graduate diploma in psychology. I worked at the Northern Territory Institute of Sport. I attended a profound workshop with a guy called Franz Bosch who came out to Australia. He came to the AIS, Australian Institute of Sport. A guy that I'd worked with at the Northern Territory Institute of Sport had heard him speak and asked him to come back and come to Darwin, which is where I was living. So I saw him in Darwin, got to meet him in person, uh, shook his hand. It was a bit of a um, you know celebrity type moment for me because this guy ended up becoming someone that I look, really looked up to in terms of his knowledge. He had worked with all sorts of athletes through running-based sports like rugby through to individual sports like long jump, high jump, and sprinters. And so he knew more about running mechanics than anyone that I had ever met. Anyway, so Franz Bosch is all about frontside mechanics. And I'm not saying that frontside mechanics is the be-all and end-all and that it is the only way, but having the knowledge of the way the body works through his stuff and incorporating with everything else that you learn through life I feel like I've got a very solid understanding of the way the body works when it comes to running fast now. And when it comes to running, uh, sorry, when it comes to football, I feel like I'm qualified to speak about this having worked with local football teams, including Wanderers and Palmerston in the Northern Territory Football League underneath Dean Rioli, former AFL player at Essendon. Uh, We had a great relationship in the way that we worked together and I, there, I remember there was one season, it was the last season that I was involved in local league football uh, at Wanderers and we had one injury for the entire season. Of all of the players that went through Premier League, we had one injury and it was a slight hamstring strain and I feel like we had managed the players so well along with the physio and the rest of the team, the sports trainers as well, other uh, assistant coaches, that I was really proud of that experience. Fast forward a couple of years and I was asked to come on board and work uh, with the Adelaide Crows women's team looking after their Darwin-based players. Initially, it was Danielle Ponta and then it included Jasmine Hewitt. And then there was others that we were asked to, I was asked to look after that Adelaide was considering um, drafting. And so we ended up creating this great little group, which we invited other people in just to create a bit of uh, sort of local culture here in Darwin when the girls were training away from the rest of the team. But I got to see underneath the hood and work directly with the strength and conditioning coaches at Adelaide and look at all of the different types of programs and the way things were done. So incorporating that with my own knowledge that I had previously, I feel like I was able to create a great program. So I went ahead and I spent pretty much six weeks over Uh, Christmas of 2021, putting together what I would consider a 12-month program, periodized program that I would think would be suitable, taking into account what Adelaide Crows were doing at the highest level through to what experience I had working at the sub-elite level, you know, with local football clubs such as Wanderers and Palmerston, my experience with running, 
and then my own experience in sport and uh, and strength and conditioning, having worked across multiple sports with the Institute Northern Territory Institute of Sport, uh, including hockey, netball, and so on. There was a whole bunch of different sports there. So I put together this program, and what it included was a six-month pre-season and a six-month in-season. Now, I often will refer to it as a six-month pre-season, but it's actually a three-month off-season and three-month in uh, three-month pre-season. So that six months when there's no season on, that is when you get to do the majority of your work. That's where you get the fitness building. Now, there are different components of fitness from strength through to muscular endurance, power, flexibility, coordination, balance, uh, aerobic endurance, and so on. There's all these different types of components of fitness. Now, in improving in those areas can really be done in when there's no games on week in week out where you're trying to get players up for the next week to play so the first so i like to break my six month pre-season up into two parts so two three month block of two three month programs the first three months while i might call it pre-season one and then the next three months being pre-season two essentially pre-season one is like off-season then from there, we then build and all of that builds through. Pre-season two is the three months leading into the season. That's the really important stuff. But you need, ideally, you have the grounding, the foundation of the first three months beforehand. Then we go into a six-month in-season, which also is broken up into two three-month programs. So in-season one and in-season two, ultimately finishing with the goal of playing on grand final day and performing at the player's best on that day. Now, what do you need to maximize your performance to succeed in footy? Number one is strength. You absolutely must have the strength to be able to do what you're going to do on the football field. And so you not only need strength, running specific strength to be able to be strong to run at different speeds. So short sprints, 10 meters, for example, through to longer sprints of 50 meters, you need that sprint repeatability. So the the ability to be able to do like a 20 meter sprint one way and 50 meter sprint back the other way or 50 meters up one way, 50 meters back, whatever it might be, whatever the distance are, but that repeat sprint ability, that sprint um, repeatability. Then you've got your aerobic endurance, which is the ability to be able to keep running. And then you've even got that high intensity uh, running, which is where you're running at a higher speed, but you're able to hold it for a little bit longer. It's not, it's a bit slower than a sprint, but you're running at an aerobic, you're sort of doing aerobic running, but at a high pace. And so that's really valuable. That's probably the most valuable part of, uh, of running when it comes to playing football. So the strength that's going to underpin that is really important the running specific strength, but then you need the strength to be able to play football because when you're playing football, you're getting bumped, you're getting tackled, you're getting knocked and, and all sorts of stuff. And you need to be able to be strong, to be able to make a tackle. You need to be able to strong to uh, burst away from a tackle, to be able to um, push away from a pack, explode away from a pack, uh, all these different things. So you need to be strong in the upper body to be able to mark the ball, uh, tackle, as I've said, and be, be able to you know get in and under in a contest as well as be able to be able to not be too big that you can still run and be efficient at running both aerobically and as a sprinter so it's one of my favorite sports because there's just so many elements to it now 
strength is going to be the most important part of that. So you need the strength, but you also need to have some size because you need that size to have some mass to be able to do what you're going to do, like bump somebody. You don't want to just be able to get bumped off the ball too easily. So that first three-month preseason is really important that it is hypertrophy work. So in that three months, not only are you doing the fundamental work for the running specific stuff, for example, you've got your lower leg stuff where you might be doing your running tib raises for your tibialis anterior. You might be doing, you're going to be doing your other lower leg exercises like your straight legged calf raises for your gastrocnemius, which is the muscle on the back of your calf, your bent knee calf raises for your soleus, which is the deeper muscle, which by the way is often the muscle which gets tight when someone has shin splints. So most people when they get shin splints don't actually have what the true definition of shin splints is which is where the bone is actually splintering in some cases yes definitely but a lot of people they're simply just tight in their soleus and they often get tight because they're not conditioned in the soleus they don't have the strength there so developing that strength first and then be able to run with that strength is then going to strengthen up the soleus that's going to prevent getting tight soleus muscles and then leading to shin splints or what what most people refer to as shin splints so doing that stuff is going to be important. You've got all of your other main compound lift stuff like your bench presses, your deadlifts, your squats, and so on. So you are putting on size in this first three months as well as doing the foundation work, and that will be through the accessory stuff where you're then doing other things like single-legged stuff for the hamstrings, single-legged stuff for the quads uh, where you can feel heavy and have a bit of a burn, and it's okay because you don't have to perform in a game that weekend. So it's primarily about hypertrophy, which is increasing lean muscle mass, putting on muscle size. Um, and by the way, people often talk to me about supplements and creatine in particular. This is a time when creatine is going to be highly beneficial. I recommend five grams, and I even would suggest going as much as 20 grams. Now, I'd be careful doing that for too long. Uh, I... What I've read, a week is probably a good amount and you could cycle it, in my opinion. Now, I'm not a dietitian, so please go and speak to a dietitian before taking any supplement, particularly if you're thinking about doing higher amounts or continuously. Um, but in my experience, I like the idea of a high – I did up to about three months with about 18 grams, so looking for that maximum amount of 20 grams of creatine per day. Uh, and I didn't have any effects and I – felt like I got and I could see I at the time got great gains from that in terms of muscle size uh, so again it's up to you but I have used it where I've done 20 grams for up to three months and instead of doing it like a cycle where you're doing for one week uh, out of every month for the three months so three lots of it up to 20 grams and then drop it back to five grams for the other three weeks of the month or you could just simply keep it be safe and keep it at five grams per day for the three months um, but I'm just going to reiterate like I said, go and speak to a dietitian to find out what specifically works for you. And if you have any abnormalities whatsoever, then you really need to definitely go and speak to a dietitian or a doctor. So um, there are other supplements that you could take during this period is protein powder and BCAAs, branched-chain amino acids, which is your healthy fats. Uh, that's going to be really beneficial for you. Um, but... First and foremost, I would make sure that you are optimizing your diet. So there's no point going and taking a supplement if you are not going to optimize your diet first. So a diet in good, lean, healthy fats, uh, sorry, good, lean, good, lean, healthy meat. Um, so high quality protein, preferably grass fed, 
uh, if you can, but um, you're primarily going to be eating protein, getting your fats through the, form, the healthy fat forms of avocado, olive oil, coconut oil, any coconut product really, coconut milk, coconut cream. And even when you are training, if you're looking for an electrolyte, yeah, hydrolyte's great. And even if you're in the um, humid tropics like I am here in Darwin, you could be looking at a magnesium supplement as well. But coconut water is great because you're going to be getting some of those nutrients at the same time as hydrating yourself. So coconut water, again, coconut products are just amazing. I think they can be incorporated into any sort, any number of things, including your hair. I use coconut oil in my hair and I absolutely love it. Um, it helps my hair, hair nice and stay nice and uh, healthy. Uh, obviously, I, I wash it out a little bit, but not with uh, shampoo and conditioner. I just rinse it. Anyway, getting off topic. So when it comes to um, supplements, they're the three main ones that I'm referring to, and particularly that you could be looking at taking them, creatine, protein powder, and BCAAs in that first three month of preseason, uh, not forgetting that the most important part is you optimize your diet first, lots of high-quality protein, lots of healthy fats, and then some carbohydrate to keep the energy up. Uh, lots of veggies as well, which are primarily going to be carbohydrate, but also full of lots of vitamins and minerals. And then you've got, which are your nutrients. And then the number one performance enhancer is sleep. So making sure that you are getting the right amount at the right time for you. And what I mean by that, I don't, I don't want to go down this path because this is another topic, but look up a guy called Dr. Michael Bruce and have a look at his sleep research. He classifies people as one of four sleep animals. I've talked about this before on the blog. So head on over to my website at jakebondre.com and in the blog section, search for sleep or Dr. Michael Bruce and you'll find that blog there. And you can even take his quiz on his website to find out what sleep animal you are and talk about what times you naturally will function best going to sleep at a certain time and what times you are gonna function best waking up at a certain time. So it's not just about the amount of sleep, but it's about the quality of sleep, and that is the time of day. And then also, if you can, incorporating like some downtime in the afternoon time, which is going to be, again, according to your sleep animal, what works best for you, having that little nap time in the afternoon. So from there, moving into the next three months, so the second three months of the pre-season, this is the three months leading into the season before the season starts, you are going to be starting to get more specific. So this is more um, sports-specific, fundamental-type strength training. And in this training, you're going to be doing much more specific stuff around targeting single-leg stuff because if you think about it, when you're playing football, you're often on one leg. When you jump up for a mark, you're often on one leg. When you're running, you're on one leg at a time. So, and when you're kicking, you're in one leg. So you need to be strong on one leg. So you're going to get more specific in the exercises that you're doing in that second three months of preseason, but you are also going to be coming down in the total volume that you're doing. It's not so much about hypertrophy as much anymore, but as but about building strength. So you're using what you've gained in increasing the size, increasing your strength, but getting more specific into strength. So the focus is no longer about putting on size as much as what it is, is making those muscles nice and solid and dense so that when someone comes in and bumps you, for example, on your shoulder, you've got a strong shoulder to be able to support the bump, but you've also got a nice strong deltoid muscle, for example, at the top of the shoulder so that you can, uh, you know, 
create as much impact on that person so that you don't get bumped off the ball and so that you can create an advantage for yourself by bumping them away from, from the line there on. So this is getting a bit more specific. We then, with strength, go into the in-season program, which is the first three months, again, getting more specific, and then the last three months being highly specific and very short and fast up. So it becomes much more about strength and power, and it's quite heavily related to getting fast like you would in athletics if you're a sprinter, doing a lot of heavy lifting exercises that you can move quickly. So it's not at a weight that you can't move it quickly. So the importance here is about real quick movement of, of weight, for example, cleans and snatches, as well as other quick movement stuff, which is a bit more ballistic and plyometric, where you're doing exercises like depth, jump, depth jumps and drop jumps. So starting off with depth jumps, where you, for example, jump off a low box onto the ground, you go down into a squat and then explode up the other side. A drop jump is where it's a bit more about um, reactivity and the tendons. So you are jumping off a box. You are not going down into a squat. You are just simply almost like stiff-legged hitting the ground and bouncing back up again. So where in the depth jumps, you are using the muscles to eccentrically to slow the movement down and then concentrically to explode up. In the drop jumps, it's more about the tendons and having nice, strong tendons is really important for speed and power. And you want to be really quick and feeling light and fast when you're getting towards finals. And so by the way, when it comes to remolding muscle, it takes up to about three months to remodel muscle and up to about seven months to remodel tendons. So another reason why getting in with a program in the pre-season is really important to be able to get all that working so that you are fit and firing come the beginning of the season and in particular by the end of the season when you want to be peaking. Now that's the strength. The strength is most important. At the same time, you're going to be doing some running stuff. As I alluded to earlier, you've got your mechanics and the mechanics is something that you want to focus on right throughout. You're not probably going to be doing too much work on it in season because the focus is all about making sure that you are able to get up and about for the next week. The priority is to not become a more efficient runner. The priority is to be able to play your best on the football field. So it's more about skills and, and game strategy, to, you know, um, that type of stuff in season and making sure that you are feeling good, you're recovering from the, the game before, and then you are then feeling good for the game ahead and you're able to perform that next week. So when it comes to mechanics, running mechanics, the best time to work on that is going to be in the preseason. So you've got that whole six months. You might work a little bit on it throughout the season, particularly towards the beginning of the season, but where you work on it more in season is around the short, sharp type plyometric stuff. So like pogos, for example. So pogos, just think of a pogo stick. It's a firm metal rod, which you hang on to. It doesn't flex at all, and it's very springy. Now, pogos, when you're doing them, the way you do it is I like to get people to start with their hands on the hips, tilt their pelvis, so pretend that pelvis is like a bucket of water filled all the way up to the brim and tilt that water out the back of the pelvis which is called a posterior tilt. And then from there, you are pulling your toes up into the top of your shoes. You raise your heels off the ground as just as much as you can where you are just off the ground. So your heels are as low to the ground as possible without touching the ground. Then locking the knees, locking the hips, squeezing the abs in to lock the core. And then with a nice solid braced foundation, 
you then bounce up and down, which is primarily working the Achilles tendon and the tendons of the feet. So that's how you'd be working on your mechanic stuff. And that's one of the, if you've got kids, by the way, this is what every kid should be doing. If you want to get faster, that's the fundamental. The pogos, do them for say 10 reps, um, three times with 30 seconds, 60 seconds rest in between. Do them for 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, or 30 seconds on, 60 seconds off. You can then, once you're doing the low level pogos, just really low off the ground, you can then move into more power pogos and going higher. However you want to do it, just literally do it as much as you can handle until you start to get shin splints and then drop back. So the only way you can do too much of it is when you start to get sore in your chins. So but pogos are one of the best things when it comes to running fast. If you want to run fast, you absolutely should be doing pogos and I'd be doing them as much as possible. So going into the conditioning, the conditioning in the preseason is going to be more about the longer aerobic running. So you are going to have stuff in there, which is going to be, it, it might be a longer run. I'm not necessarily a fan of it when it comes to football. I'm more of a fan of interval type running. So in my program, what I like to have is more of a uh, intervals type aerobic session where you are teaching the football player how to repeat sprint. So go for longer runs and then come back. So for example, which by the way, uh, because I'm going to touch on speed here, speed should be in every part of the program from day one of preseason or from week one of preseason right through to grand final week speed should be in there so you should be sprinting at above 90 percent ideally above 95 percent every single week how that looks is going to change throughout the season but typically somewhere around 40 to 60 meters is going to be an ideal amount so you need to look at your total volume of the session how much rest you're having, having maximal rest so that you're fully recovering between each one so that you're maximizing the sprint is going to be important. But sprinting is something that should be done at least once a week, every single week. So in the pre-season, so pre-season uh, program one, you are going to be working on speed. You're going to be working a specific session on agility because you do need to be able to change direction. Then a speed endurance session and that is going to look a lot like it could be 400s, 300s, 200s. I like to incorporate where I change the distances and I have a range of different stuff in there. So for example, it might be a 400 with then four 50 meter um, intervals with minimal recovery in there. So for example, a 400, 60 seconds rest, and then four 50s with 15 seconds rest, or it might be only 30 seconds rest after the 400. It could be 200s where you do uh, a 200, you have 30 seconds rest, and then you do, say, for example, four 40-meter sprints with only 10 seconds rest in between each one. So I like to get the speed endurance in like that, and that is going to also work your aerobic system. There's some other stuff in there as well. I do like the 50 meter stuff on its own, the repeat sprint, like 10 reps, for example, or 50 meters. One of the, uh, the Adelaide Crow sessions I really liked was a 50 meter session where you ran up in 15 seconds and whatever time was to so run up 50 meters, whatever time is left in that 15 seconds is your recovery. And then you run back on a one minute cycle. So the whole thing is on a one minute cycle. So you start off on the line, you run up 50 meters, Let's just say you get there in seven seconds. 
that's on a 15 second cycle. So you've got eight seconds recovery. So you've got eight seconds before you then run back. You run back in and you get back. And by then that's about going to be 20 something seconds because it's been, you're turning around on the 15 second mark, you get back in another seven seconds. So that's now 22 seconds. So you've got the remainder of that minute as your recovery, which is going to be 38 seconds. And then you repeat that for, for example, two sets of 10 reps of them. And that's, that's a great session. I love any of that stuff where you are getting athletes, football players to run up and then have mineral recovery and run back because you're teaching them how to get back and defend. They're all pushing up into attack. We've got the ball. We're all pushing up. Everyone gets the, everyone can push up really hard and fast when we're in attack, but who can push back and defend? That's the hard part. So minimal recovery. Okay. It's been a turnover. We need to get back and help defend. So now we're sprinting to get back. And then you've got, then you're incorporating your rest. And you might even do three or four of them uh, in one rep, but typically the two. So I like them. I like also incorporating some stuff in there around, for example, two 200s with minimal recovery in between. So a 200, 30 second recovery, another 200. So ultimately you're doing a 400, but you're having that recovery in the middle. And what that recovery is doing is actually, you might think it's making it easier than just running straight 400. But because you've stopped for that 30 seconds, you're allowing that lactic acid to build up in the body. So that second 200 is actually harder because you've now allowed the lactic acid to build up in the body to then start that whole 200. Whereas if you just ran the 400 straight, you'd be around to the 250 or 300 meter mark by the time you started feeling that, that lactic and that heavy leg feeling is you've just got to drag it through. So not only are you getting more lactic in a two by 200 meter session with minimal recovery in between, but you are also doing it at a higher intensity. So you're, it's a higher quality rep doing the two 200s because you're able to run faster in that second 200 because you've just had that little bit of a rest as well. Anyway, so that, that's, a, that's a great session that I love to incorporate. The point is that in the first three months of the preseason is you are doing a lot of the longer stuff with minimal recovery in between. So 400s, 300s, 200s, um, so often with minimal recovery. Um, and then you've, one of the other things that I absolutely love is the shorter, and I would have this right throughout preseason, the shorter repeat sprint stuff. So again, one of the sessions I loved from the Crows was this 20 seconds on um, type program. So you could do it for 10, 20, 30. Um, you could go longer if you wanted to, but that were the typical ones. And so the 20 seconds, for example, would be you need to get up and back in 20 seconds with then 20 seconds recovery. So it was all based off what your 2K time was as to how far you needed to go. But let's just say, for example, it was 40 meters up. So you needed to run 40 meters up to a cone and then turn around and back in that 20 seconds. So it was just straight up and back. There was no recovery up at the end, uh, halfway at the cone turnaround point. It was just straight up and back. And again, you can do multiple um, change of directions for this one. This is just a one change of direction. You could go up, back and up again, or you could go up, back, up, back. So, but. The example that I'm giving here is just up and back. It's just one change of direction. So you run up. Ideally, when it's 20 seconds for the total rep, you're getting up there in 10 seconds or just under 10 seconds, turning around and then sprinting back and aiming to get back by that 20 seconds is up. You then get 20 seconds rest and you go again. And typically that would be 10 reps of that. That was a killer. That was some of the hardest sessions I've ever done, those sessions there, where I actually joined in myself. They were really difficult. So typically... 
you would build up to doing three sets of that. So we're talking 40 meter, um, 40 meters up, 40 meters back. So 80 meter efforts. We're in 20 seconds with 20 seconds rest by 10 reps by three sets with somewhere between three and five minutes rest in between those sets. That is how you're going to create that repeat sprint ability, also that lactic tolerance, as well as some aerobic endurance. Now, the best aerobic endurance is going to come from swimming. If you've heard me talk before on the podcast or on my Instagram account, anywhere, I'm always raving on about swimming. Now, I could get football players to go and do a long run, a 10K run, for example, and there's value to that. But I would like, I would prefer to get them off their feet because they're already on their feet in pre-season for much of the week. They're doing a sprint, a speed session on a Monday. They're doing an agility session on a Tuesday. They're doing a speed endurance session on a Wednesday. Thursday, I want them doing a pool session and ideally on a Saturday doing a pool session. If you can get two pool sessions in, great. If not, one is going to be enough. I don't think you need any more than two though. But what's happening when your body is in water is it's being compressed by the water. So as the body is being compressed by the water, the space in and around the lungs, which is where the oxygen diffuses through the lungs, in through the blood capillary wall into the bloodstream and the carbon dioxide vice versa coming from the bloodstream through the blood capillary wall into the lungs, that process, diffusion of oxygen and carbon dioxide across that blood capillary wall is going to be squashed. That space for that process to occur across the blood capillary wall is going to be squashed and there's less space there for the oxygen and carbon dioxide to, to diffuse through. So what happens is the body becomes more efficient at that process simply by being in the water. If you've ever sat in water for an afternoon and then been tired later in the day and wondered why because anything I haven't done anything I've done is sat in water, it's because your body is working harder because it is being compressed by the water. And so it's got to work harder, the cardiovascular system has to work harder to pump blood around the body. When you are then swimming as well, you then have to work slightly harder again because you're actually exercising when your body is being compressed and it's already got to work harder when it's in the water. In addition to that, if you are swimming freestyle and you've got your face in the water and doing proper freestyle, you are breathing every X number of strokes. So you are also learning to control your breathing. So you are learning that rhythm and then you're going to take that into running because when you're normally out there running, you can breathe in whenever you want and out whenever you want. So by learning how to breathe in and then breathe out at certain times, you are also going to learn to control your breathing while you are then running uh, out when you're just simply running in the, around the in air. So then through the, and then the other thing too is if you extend it out, if you extend that time that you are not breathing for out, you are going to create a hypoxic effect. And now this is really beneficial because what you're doing is allowing more oxygen to get to the working muscles of the body and you're teaching your body to operate more efficiently without taking more oxygen in. So one of the things that I like to do is through the hypoxic um, swimming is to take a breath every three and then five and then seven strokes. Now, when you're starting out, that might be really difficult. You might be able to do three, five, three, five. You might even be able to do three, five, seven and then be completely gassed and out of breath. So you go back to three. So you work out what that is for you. But I really like incorporating breathing where you are extending out the time in between a breath because you are teaching your body to become more efficient at processing the oxygen and learning to operate without it, it then becomes much more efficient for you to then aerobically 
exercise out of the water. I stumbled across this when I was at uni and I was doing athletics before that. I'd taken a break from athletics, so I was used to doing running. I was doing a lot of running. I was doing 20 and 30-minute runs twice a week and a longer 45 to 60-minute run on the weekend as well as a whole bunch of speed training, speed endurance training and gym. I then took a break from athletics and did football training twice a week and there wasn't a lot of running in those sessions, by the way, and then was swimming twice a week. And I took my beat test from mid-11s, which I've never been able to I consistently hit mid-11s, up to 14.2. The only thing that had really changed was the swimming. And I looked into it, I researched it, and discovered that there was this thing about it, particularly with the hypoxic stuff. So it's, and I never did more than 10 laps. So it's really valuable to swimming. One, because you're getting off your feet, you are getting the um, rehabilitation, rejuvenative, uh, reju- rejuvenative, is that right? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, benefits of being in the water, as well as getting these amazing aerobic benefits that are typical at altitude. So you're in a way almost getting an altitude effect by being in the pool. So hence, I absolutely love getting my athletes into the pool at least once a week, if not twice. One of those sessions is not necessarily always like hypoxic. It, um, it's not even necessarily about the interval type stuff. Sometimes we do 50s, we do 100s, whatever it might be. Um, and, and that changes depending on whether an athlete can swim or not um, because there's other stuff we can do in the pool it's still going to be beneficial if an athlete can't swim, for example, deep water running, and even just some other stuff underneath water with breaststroke or whatever, um, jumping in the water, all those types of things, but particularly deep water running. Um, kicking, there's some stuff you can do on the side of the pool. Kicking, that's going to have a beneficial effect. Straight-legged kicking, cycling in the water. These all have benefits that even if an athlete cannot swim, is still going to be beneficial for them to get in the pool and do some form of a pool session. So... Then from there, of course, you need to incorporate your mobility because without that, you are going to set yourself up for an injury and you're also just going to feel tight and sore and uh, that's just not going to make you feel good, but it's going to bulletproof your body. So incorporating mobility training into your strength sessions is going to be beneficial. And if you can find the time to do a standalone mobility session at least once a week, then that is going to be ideal. So to wrap all of this up, how does this look? What do you need to do with your gym and your running to maximize your performance for footy one you need strength and you need to be doing the work in your pre-season and off-season so your first three months of pre-season which i'm going to refer to here as off-season is all about hypertrophy and putting on muscle size and doing the work to set yourself up for the next phase which is going to be the next three months pre-season leading into the season and in that you are then going to work a bit more on strength um, so these are all working simultaneously at the same time, all of the strength, all of the mechanics, running mechanics, all of the conditioning. Then from there, you're then going to move into more um, specific stuff to do with running specific and football specific, increasing strength, increasing power through the in-season. So the running is really important that you incorporate speed at least once a week every week where you're hitting 95% of your max speed. You're incorporating agility uh, every week. You are incorporating some form of speed endurance depending on where you're on, where you're at in the season. And when it comes to strength, you are focusing on hypertrophy in the first three months of preseason. In the second three months of preseason, you're focusing on strength, and then you're focusing on strength and power in season and getting yourself up for the games each week. 
while at the same time always working on the mechanics of running, particularly in the pre-season with less focus in season. I hope that answers your question around uh, what you need to do with your gym and running to maximize your performance on the footy field. If you've got any questions, then please reach out to me on Instagram, follow me at Jacob underscore Andre and send me a message there. That's where this question has come from for this week's topic. I've actually really enjoyed this. I, I kind of, geez, I can, can talk myself underwater if I can talk this much, talk underwater about this topic in particular. Um, so if you like this, then please yeah, let me know. Um, and if you've got a question, as I said, ask you over on Instagram. Head on over to my website as well, jacobandre.com, to find out a little bit more about what we do, to read, to check out the other podcasts. You can find us on Apple and Spotify, as well as on our website at jacobandre.com. And on the website, you can find our blogs where there'll be a whole range of topics, including that sleep article that I referred to earlier. So I'll leave you to it. Best of luck with your football season, whether you are in the off-season, pre-season or in-season. And... I'll see you next week.